to be able to learn something from your word, to be challenged from your word, Father. Every time we come to the preaching of God's word, Father, we want to leave a little different. We want to always leave church a little different, a little more mature, a little more uh, biblically educated, a little more grown than how we came. And Father, I pray you'd help me as I preach these verses, that your spirit would come upon me. Lord, you're the one that must do the work. And Father, I pray you'd help us. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Alright, well we're there in Acts chapter number 20. And last week we uh, dealt with the first part of Acts chapter number 20. And this week we find there, if you look down at verse 13, I'd like you to see what's going on. Uh, Verses 13 through 16 are just kind of telling us about Paul's travels. And sometimes it's easy to just read over these verses and skip through them. But you know, I want you to notice something that kind of I I saw there and, and came alive to me. If you look at verse 13, it says, And when we went before to ship... And sailed unto Asos. Now when he says we there, we know that Luke is the one who's writing the book of Acts. And he's with Paul during this journey. So he's saying we because he's with Paul. And he says, and we went before to ship and sailed unto Asos. They're intending to take in Paul. So notice what he's saying. He's saying we, Luke, and the group we were with, sailed to Asos. And we were intending to take in Paul. For so he had appointed. And look what it says. Minding himself to go afoot. And that, you know, don't skip over that. It's very interesting about the Apostle Paul. I don't really have time to get into it a lot, but the Bible tells us that Paul decided he was going to walk to an area where Luke and everybody else was taking a ship to. You know, and, and sometimes you think, oh, that's you know, and, and what that tells me about Paul is this: Paul valued time by himself, because I, I can't imagine any other time, you know, they're all getting ready to go on a trip, and he says, hey guys, I know you're going to get on this ship and, and travel to this other city, but I think I'm just going to walk there, and I would think, why would he do that, and I, I'd imagine that maybe he's doing that, because he just wants to be alone, maybe spend some time with God, alone, praying, maybe just meditating, and just walking, and just being alone, you know, that ought to teach us something, the inner strength that Paul found, he found because he had a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, and he was willing to at some point say, you know what, I'm going to just get away from the crowd, I'm going to get away from the friends. I'm going to get away from society. I'm just going to go by myself. Hey, I'll meet you guys over there. You guys go ahead and take the ship. I'll meet you over there and I'll walk over there. And he walked somewhere where these people took a ship. That's a long walk. You know, I can't tell you exactly how far that was, but if people are taking a ship, you know, to get there, he's walking. You know what else that's telling me about Paul is that he's probably a very good help. You know, to be able to walk somewhere where somebody's taking a ship uh, tells us that he is probably in good health. So, you know, don't read those. Just skip over those things as you're reading them. Try to read quickly through them. It says a lot. Look at verse 14. And when he met with us at Asos, we took him. So he, when he catches up to them, because they got there, you know, by ship, and he walked there. And uh, it says, we took him in and came to... Mytilene. And we sailed thence and came the next day over against Chios. And the next day we arrived at Samos and tarried in Trigolium. And the next day we came to Miletus. So that's where. Uh, the next, you know, portion of the scripture is going to take place in this city named Miletus. Look at verse 16. For Paul had determined to sail by Ephesus because he would not spend the time in Asia for he hasted, if it were possible for him, to be at Jerusalem uh, the day of Pentecost. And you want to make a mental note of that. We're going to get back to that later in the book of Acts. But Paul has a mission. He wants to get to Jerusalem by this certain day, by the day of Pentecost. So he's wrapping things up and he's getting ready to leave this area of the world finish this mission strip here because he wants to get back to Jerusalem in verse 16 look at verse 17 and from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church so Paul is getting ready to leave 
And because he's getting ready to leave and he's not going to see these people anymore, the Bible tells him in verse 17, he calls the elders. Now that word elders there, the word elders, pastors, and bishop is used interchangeably in the scriptures. The word elder means a pastor, okay? It's not, you know, some Mormon riding a bike who says, I'm elder so-and-so. You know, an elder is a pastor. And Paul called the elders or the pastors or the bishops of the church of Ephesus and he called them because he wants to give them one last challenge, one last sermon. He wants to talk to them one last time. And the rest of the chapter, and that's chapter number 20, deals with Paul's goodbye challenge that he gives to these elders. Now here's what you got to understand. This challenge is divided into two parts. The first part is Paul's Paul is talking about his ministry since he got there. If you look at verse 18, look what it says. He says, And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know, look what it says, From the first day that I came into Asia, and he begins to talk about the things he's done and the things that have happened since he first got to Asia. If you skip down to verse 29, you see where he begins the second part. Well, he begins the second part of verse 28, but in verse 29 it says, For I know this, that after my departing shall, and he begins to give him a challenge. So it's divided into two different parts. The first part he's talking about his ministry that he had there with them in Asia. And the second part, he's giving him a challenge saying, hey, when I depart, when I leave, here's what you need to do. Now tonight we're just going to deal with that first part of this challenge. Next week we'll deal with the second part of, of the challenge. But I'd like you, I'd like to just make three quick points tonight. I don't want to be very long tonight. But I'd like you to see a few things in Paul's goodbye challenge here as he challenges them in regards to his ministry and what he's accomplished and what he's done there. If you look down at verse number 18, the Bible says this, And when they were come to him, so the elders come from Ephesus to Miletus, he said unto them, Ye know, from the first day that I came into Asia... Look what he says, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons. He says, hey, you know the type of manner that I've had. He's saying, you know the type of person that I've been. You know the type of character that I've had. You know the type of uh, you know, uh, integrity or responsibility I've carried. He said, you know how I've been. And if you notice, I want you to notice, he's talking a lot about himself, because he's making a few points. He's using himself as an example. He says, you know, I came into Asia after what manner I have have been with you at all seasons. And I'd like you to uh, see point number one. I'd like you to see Paul's service. Paul's service. Look at verse 19. The Bible says, Serving the Lord with all humility of mind. Paul says, You know the type of manner? You know the type of person? You know what I've done? He says, First of all, I want you to know this. You know the type of service. He says in verse 19, serving the Lord with all humility of mind. But look at this. He says, here's how I serve the Lord. And with many tears. Do you see that? He says, with many tears and temptations which befell me. And he says, here's why. By the lying in wait of the Jews. Do you see that? As we've gone through verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the book of Acts, what is the one group that we continually find chapter after chapter, story after story, city after city, the people who keep you know, uh, fighting against Paul, who keep persecuting Paul, who keep following Paul are the Jews. They're trying to always do something for him. And he says, you know, I've served the Lord. He said, I'm serving the Lord with all humility of mind. And he said, but I'm serving the Lord with many tears. The tears there refer to a lot of heartache. The tears there refer to a lot of pain. 
He says, with many tears and many temptations. Here's why. You say, Paul, why have you had so many tears? And why have you had so many temptations while you've been serving the Lord? Because we like to think of serving the Lord as a happy thing. Right? We want to say, hey, Paul, you've been serving the Lord. Praise God. But he says, hey, elders, because he's talking to pastors. He says, hey, let me explain something to you. I've served the Lord, but it's cost me a lot of tears. It's cost me a lot of temptations. He says, here's why. Which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. He says, I've had a lot of heartache. Here's why. Because I've had enemies. I've had people against me. He says, the ministry has not been easy for me. He says, I've done the ministry and I've served God. But I've served them with tears. I've served them with temptations. Skip down to verse 22. Look what he says. He says, and now, behold, I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem. He says, look, now I'm going to Jerusalem, knowing not what things shall befall me there. He said, while I'm in Ephesus, while I'm in Asia, while I'm in all these other places, the Jews are persecuting me. He said, now I'm going to Jerusalem. That's where all the Jews are at. And he says, I don't know what's going to happen. He says, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. Look at verse 23. Save, he says, I know this though, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city. Notice he said, this is what the Holy Ghost has had in store for me in every city. Everywhere I've gone, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. You know what Paul was saying? Paul was saying this, I don't know what's going to happen in Jerusalem, but I know one thing. Every city I go to, bonds and afflictions abide me. He said, every city I go to, I end up in prison. Every city I go to, I end up afflicted. Every city I go to, I end up in trouble. Every city I go to, I end up with temptations and with tears. And he says, I don't think Jerusalem is going to be any different. You know, I've heard people say this joke before, and I, I often say, but Paul, whenever Paul walked into a new city, the first place he checked out was the prison. Because soon enough, that's where he was going to end up. Every time we read about Paul, he's getting persecuted, getting thrown in prison, getting beaten, he's getting... The ministry of Paul was not an easy ministry. I'd like you uh, very quickly to go with me to the book of 2 Corinthians. You're there in Acts 20. Just go to your right in the Bible to the book of 1 Corinthians, then 2 Corinthians. And look at 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. And I need you to understand a few things about serving God. Today we live in a society, we live in a prosperity gospel society. Today, Christianity wants to teach you when you serve God, your life is going to be a bed of roses. You're going to become a millionaire. God's going to heal you of all your sickness. God's going to give you everything you want. You know, I've heard people, preachers stand up behind the and say, all you got to do is name it and claim it. You know, you just, you just get somebody to pray with you and you say, God, I want that Lexus and God's going to give you that Lexus. And, or, and here's the worst part. They'll tell people, you know, you're sick, you got cancer, you just tell God, you know, uh, God, you know, just believe God's going to heal you. Let me hit you upside the head and drop you down, and God's going to heal, and then when God doesn't heal them, they say, well, it's your fault because you don't have enough faith. And let me tell you something, that Christianity is not a Bible Christianity. Biblical Christianity is always going anti-society. Biblical Christianity is always going anti the mold. And because Paul, everywhere he went, do you remember the uproar in Ephesus? Everywhere he went, he was preaching the gospel, he was getting people to change, he was getting people to uh, you know, leave their idols and leave their religion, and everywhere he went, he was getting persecuted, he was having trouble. And that's biblical Christianity. If you're living for God, the Bible says, Yea, they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That's a promise. God says you will suffer persecution. And by the way, if you're not suffering persecution, it's probably because you're not living godly in Christ Jesus. See, if you live like Christ, they'll persecute you. Jesus Christ said, if they called the master of the house Beelzebub, He said, if they called me the devil, what are they going to call you? Look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 11, look at verse 22. Look at what Paul said. 
See, we, we talk very highly about Paul, and we should. And we talk very nice about Paul, and we should. And we say, man, Paul was a great minister and a great missionary, a great preacher. He did so much for the cause of Christ. But here's what you don't understand. He paid a lot for the cause of Christ. See, so we say, I want to have a ministry like Paul, but do you want to sacrifice like Paul did? Look at what Paul said, look at verse 22. He said, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. He's talking about the Jews who are persecuting him. Look at verse 23. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. Look what he says, I am more. He says, Paul said, I am more. You say, you're more in what? Look what he says, in labors more abundant. Paul said, if there's a missionary that's out there working for Christ, I've worked harder. If there's a pastor who's out there working for the Lord Jesus Christ, I've worked harder. If there's a pastor out there sowing, I've knocked more doors. I've got more people saved. I've baptized more people. He said, hey, in labor it's more abundant. And that's not arrogant. Listen to what he says. In stripes above measure. You know what stripes mean? He's talking about getting whipped. He says, I've been whipped so many times, I can't even measure. Look what he says. In prisons... More frequent. In deaths off. You know what he said? He said, I was often ready to die. Look at verse 24. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. The Jews had a law, and you can read about it in the Old Testament, that if they were going to whip a man, they could only whip him forty times. And the Jews would often whip someone save once. The word save one means minus one. They would whip someone 39 times. They didn't want to make, they want, just in case they miscounted, they wanted to do it 39 times because they didn't want to go over the 40. Because if you whip somebody 40 times, you could kill them. You know, that's the logic. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ was whipped with a cat of nine tails uh, 40 times save one. Paul was, was whipped 40 times save one five different times. If Paul were to take his shirt off and allow you to look at his back, you probably wouldn't even be able to... You know, it would be such a disfigured place. Because every time they take that whip, that whip would leave a stripe. You know, that, that whip would, would uh, get on your skin. And oftentimes the whip had, had uh, uh, sharp things connected to it so that as it hit you, you know, it would latch onto your skin. They'd pull that back and they pull... That's why it said about Jesus, by His stripes we are healed. Because that whip would leave stripes of blood as it removed that skin. And Paul said, this happened to me five times. Look at verse 24. Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes, save one. What is that? Thrice was I beaten with rods. Can you imagine that? Someone taking a rod and just beating you with rods. Not one person. It was probably a crowd of people. He said, that happened to me three times. Once was I stoned. I can't imagine of a worse way to die than being stoned. Having people literally take rocks. You know, we've got some rocks right here. We're not talking about little rocks. I mean, big, huge rocks. And literally a group of people with rocks throwing them at you as hard as possible till you die. Remember we read about that earlier in the book of Acts when they stoned Paul and they left him believing he was dead? He said, once was I stoned. He said, thrice I suffered shipwreck. I mean, can you imagine that? I mean, if, if we went through one of these events, it'd be a life-altering event. Three different times he was on a ship that wrecked. A night and a day have I been in the deep. He said, I spent an entire day and night just out in the sea because of these shipwrecks. In journeyings often, he's in perils of water. 
perils means danger. He says, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often. You know what watchings means? It means not sleeping. You know, like in the military, they'll have a watchman. Someone will stay up all night and watch. He said, and watch. He said oftentimes, because he was in the perils of robbers and perils of his own countrymen and perils of heathen and perils of the city, because he was in all these dangers, oftentimes he couldn't even sleep. He'd just have to stay awake to make sure someone didn't kill him. He was so hated. He says, in weariness and painfulness. Don't read over those words. In watchings often. In hunger and thirst. In fastings often. He said, there's many times I went without food. Hungry and thirsty. In cold and nakedness. Look at verse 28. Beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of the churches. Can you, can you, can you fathom this list here? I mean, could you imagine going through that? Could you imagine going through one of those things? I mean, if we went through one of those things, we'd think we're the greatest Christian in the world. Paul went through all these things. And Paul's, go back to Acts chapter 20. Paul's trying to explain to these church leaders, he said, hey, they're having a pastor's conference. You know, that's the big thing now. You know, and I'm not against it, it's fine, but, you know. All these people will have these pastors coming. That's what Paul's having. He brought all these elders in. And he's, he's trying to teach them that. He said, let me explain to you something about the serving serving the Lord. Verse 19, he said, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears. Do you understand why there's many tears now? Do you understand why there's much temptations? Paul went through a lot of stuff. Paul said, let me talk to you about my service. But he said, number two, let me talk to you about my steadfastness. Steadfastness. Look at verse number 24. Paul said, I've served the Lord with many tears and many temptations, which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. And in verse 24, Paul makes one of the most beautiful statements found in the scripture. Look at what he says. He says, This is what he said. But none of these things move me. You say, Pastor, what things is he talking about? He's talking about the Beatings. He's talking about the stripes. He's talking about the stoning. He's talking about the shipwreck. He's talking about the perils by the heathen and the perils by his countrymen and the perils by, by, by the Jews. He's talking about the shipwrecks and he's talking about the imprisonment. He's talking about the hunger and he's talking about the fasting. And he's saying all these things that have happened to me as I serve the Lord and people attack me and people fight against me and people say something mean to me and people try to discourage me and people have you know just done all these things. He said, I, I've served the Lord and I've been hungry. Keep your finger there, but go me. Go back to First Corinthians. You were in Second Corinthians, but go First Corinthians. Look at verse fifteen. First Corinthians, chapter number fifteen. Look at verse fifty-eight. Look what Paul said to the Corinthians. It's the last verse in chapter fifteen of First Corinthians. Paul said this. He says, "Therefore, my beloved brethren," he says, "Be ye steadfast." I want you to notice that word, steadfast. 
The word steadfast means fixed. It means firm. It means having a resolution. It means unwavering. I recently heard somebody talking about the word steadfast. I like what they say. You know, the, Paul was the type of person, when it says he was steadfast, it, it, here's what he means. He, he means, he, he got his footing, he found his foundation, and he got fixed on a point, he got fixed on a pole, and he just stuck with it. He said, and he says to these people, he says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast. So what he says? Unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Go back to uh, Acts chapter number 20. Acts chapter number 20. Paul says, I want you to, number one, to know about my service, but I want you, number two, to know about my steadfastness. He says, none of these things move me. You know, we live in a world of such weak and anemic Christianity. Where anything moves us. Anything changes us. Somebody, someone said something rude to me. So-and-so took my chair in church. You know, and whatever. You know, and just, well, somebody said something mean to me. It kind of discouraged me. I don't think I'm going to go back to church. Is that the type of Christian that Paul was? I mean, Paul said, I've gone through all these trials. He said, I'm not trying to show off to you. I'm not trying to, I'm trying to explain something to you. I've gone through sacrifice. I've gone through pain. I've gone through heartache. But he said, you know what? None of these things moved me. He said, I stayed with it. He said, I stayed steadfast with it. He said, I was consistent with it. Look at, look at uh, Acts 20. Look at 18. Look what he said in verse 18. The last part of verse 18. Look at the last phrase in verse 18. He says, he says, after what manner I have been with you. Look what he says, at all seasons. You know what that means? He says, I've been the same. He said, I've been instant, in season and out of season. He said, at all seasons. He said, anytime you saw me, I was the same. I was consistent. I was steadfast. I was not moved. You say, how, how could he do that? How could Paul go through all those things in his life and just stay consistent? Just stay focused and stay steadfast and stay consistent in his Christian walk. Well, he explains how he does it. Look at verse 24. He says, but none of these things move me. And he begins to explain why. Look what he says. First we see his consistency in verse 24. I'd like you to see in verse 24 his count. So what are you talking about? Look what he says. Neither count I my life dear unto myself. He said, you know guys, elders, pastors, preachers, people who are going to be in the ministry, people who are going to serve God. He said, you know how I stay consistent, and how I stay steadfast, and how I don't allow any of these things to move me? Here's how I do it. I don't think that highly of my own life. He said, neither count I my life dear unto myself. He says, you know what? If my life gets screwed up because of the ministry, I'm okay with that. If this is the will that God has for my life, I'm okay with that. I don't count my life dear unto myself. Here's why. He talked about his consistency. He talked about his count. Look what he talked about now. His course. He says, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I... He says, here's why. So that means... Here's why I do it. He says, so that I might finish my course. With joy. The word course there, the analogy that Paul is using, he's talking about running a race. He's saying, you know, this is a race we're on. And oftentimes in the Bible, Paul would use that analogy where you say, this is a race, we're running in a race. And, and, and the, you know, the thing about the race is, every one of us has a course. You know, this is not a race we're running amongst ourselves. We're not trying, you know, I'm not trying to beat you and you're not trying to beat me. You say, well, who are we running against? Because we will obtain a cup. You're running against yourself. Your spiritual man is running versus your, your old man, your flesh. And Paul says, you know, I stay fast 
You know, I say steadfast because I didn't count my life dear, and I didn't count my life dear because I wanted to finish my course. He said, I wanted to get to the end. He said, I didn't want to quit halfway through. He said, I didn't want to quit, you know, and we've got so many people today who start something, they'll start a church and then quit halfway through. They'll start, you know, having children and then just kind of quit halfway through and they're well, I can't do anything with them. They'll start, you know, whatever it is. He says, that's not who I want to be. But notice, no, don't skip over the words. Look what he says. He says, so that I may finish my course with, look at the look last word. He says, it's a three-letter word, J-O-Y, with joy. Paul said, not only am I going to finish my course, he said, I'm going to finish my course, and I'm not going to finish my course while on medications, because I'm so depressed. I'm not going to finish my course, you know, just so sad, and so upset, and so bitter, and so mad at all these people who have done me wrong. He says, I'm going to finish my course, and I'm going to finish my course, he says, with joy. And you've got to ask yourself this question, Paul, how in the world do you have joy at the end of a life that got you beat, that got you stoned, that got you in prison, that got you, you know, uh, uh, betrayed by your uh, countrymen and heathen and, and all sorts of Jews and all these people? How do you end with joy? And here's what you got to understand. Paul's joy did not come from his outside circumstances. Paul, you see, his, when he said, neither count I my life, dear unto myself, he said, my, my joy comes from something that doesn't waver. That's God. He said, my joy comes from something that, that doesn't go up or down. That's God. And he said, because my joy comes from something that doesn't waver, and because my steadfastness, uh, you know, and, and, my, and my, my soul and my ministry comes from something that doesn't waver, he says, and that can keep me from wavering. Because when the tribulation comes and it tries to push me off that course. He says, hey, I can just stay the course. I can just be steadfast. He said, none of these things are going to move me. How? Neither count I my life dear to myself. So that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus. He says, I want to finish my course. He said, I want to finish my ministry. We said number one, Paul's service. We said number two, Paul's steadfastness. I'd like you to see number three. It's the last point. I'd like you to see Paul soul winning. Paul soul winning. Look at verse 24 again. But none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself. Paul, why do you do that? So that I might finish my course with joy. And that I might finish the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus. Paul, what's your ministry? Look at the last part of verse 24. What's your ministry? What are you talking about? Here's Paul's ministry and here's every one of our ministry. Two Testify the gospel of the grace of God. Say, Paul, what were you trying to accomplish when you went to all these cities? When you got in all this trouble? When all these things happened to you? He said, here's what I was trying to do. I was trying to testify the gospel of the grace of God. He said, that's what I was trying to do. That's what I was trying to accomplish. And he says, and by the way, let me tell you something. I was pretty good at it. He said, man, Paul's kind of arrogant. Look at verse 26. Look what he says. Look at verse 26. Wherefore... I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. Do you remember a few weeks ago when we were talking about having your blood in the book of Ezekiel there? We talked about that story where you had the watchman and if the watchman warned the people and they didn't take heed, then their blood was upon their hands. But if the watchman refused to warn the people, then their blood was on them. Do you remember when we talked about that? Paul says to these people in verse 26, uh, he says, Wherefore I take you to record this day, he says that I am pure from the blood of all men. He says, if anybody in this city dies and goes to hell, it's not my fault. 
He said, I'm pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Do you understand? Do you see what he's saying? He said, I was not delinquent in my duties. He says, I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel. You know what he's saying? He's saying, I declared the counsel of God to everybody in the city. He says, if somebody dies and goes to hell in this town, it won't be my fault. He said, I'm free from the blood of all you. And you got to ask this question, well, Paul, how were you so effective? Paul, how were you so effective at doing that? Look at verse 20. We're covering all the verses, don't worry. We're just going to skip around a little bit. And the ones we don't cover for next week. But look at verse 20. Acts 20, 20. Did you notice that? Acts 20, 20? Often, we often refer to this verse as Acts 20, 20 vision. Say, because this ought to be your spiritual vision. You say, I want to have 20, 20 vision. Well, get some Acts 20, 20 spiritual vision. Look at verse 20. Of Acts 20. And how, look what he says, I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you. He said, I didn't keep anything back. Sometimes people ask this question, Pastor, why do you, you know, that sermon you preached on Sunday morning was kind of radical. Why do you preach something like that? Well, here's why. I want to be able to say, I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you. Look what he says. But have showed you and have taught you publicly, that's the church service, Look what he says. And from house to house. Does that sound familiar? People often say to us, you go out so many, knocking on doors, trying to get all those, you know, trying to get that map filled up. What are you, some sort of a Jehovah's Witness? What are you, some sort of a Mormon? You got that from the Mormons going house to house? No, 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 I think we got it from the Bible. I think we got it from the Word of God. And this is just one of many verses I could show you, and you know, I've done that before. But Paul said this, not only did I teach you publicly, he said, I also taught you from house to house. You know what Paul was saying? He was saying, I'm a soul winner. And you know, here's what the interesting thing is. Paul was saying, no one in the city can tell me that it's my fault they died and went to hell, because I made sure they all heard the gospel, and then you might ask this question, well, Paul, how did you make sure that they all heard the gospel? And he said, well, here's how I made sure, because I went to every single one of be able to say, you know, we, we went from house to house, door to door, and we warned everybody. Look what he says, look at verse 21. Testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks. He didn't say, we didn't leave anybody behind. He said, we went to the ghettos and the rich areas. We talked to the white man and the black man and the brown man. We talked to everybody. He says, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks. What he says like, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. He said, what was I doing? I was preaching the gospel. House to house. Door to door. And he said, I'm free from the blood of all men. He said, Pastor, how does this apply to us? Here's how it applies. Paul said to these preachers, I went soul winning. Every day. Consistently. House to house. Door to door. Preaching the gospel. And it got me beat. It got me thrown in prison. It got me stoned. It got me betrayed. I got, you know, whipped. 39 lashes five different times. And he said, but you know what? They kept trying to stop me. They kept trying to stop me. They kept trying to stop me. And I just stayed at it. I just stayed consistent. I was going to finish my course. 
And here's what I, and here, you say, well, what's the point that Paul's trying to make? This is what Paul's trying to tell these people. This is what I'm trying to tell you today. Paul's trying to say to them, what's your excuse? You know that we live in the most free nation this world has ever known? There is no country that has ever existed that has given their people more liberty than the United States of America gives to us. We can go out knocking on doors every day, 24 hours a day, if we wanted to. We can go out and talk to people all day long, preach the gospel, get people saved. And yet it seems like Paul, who had more reasons to stay home, was more consistent than us who have every reason to go. Say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Here's what you need to understand. The purpose of your Christian life is to get people saved. That's it. That's why you stayed. If it was about heaven, God would have killed you the moment you got saved. I mean, when you got saved, why didn't He just take you home? Say, alright, good, praise the Lord. Here's why He kept you. So you can get somebody saved. Because do you understand this? When you got saved, somebody got you saved. When you got saved, somebody preached the gospel to you. I mean, I give the gospel to people, get people saved every week. But somebody gave the gospel to me. Somebody got me saved. And if I keep my mouth shut and I don't get those people saved, I'm doing wrong to those people because they're going to die and go to hell and not even understand that they're going to have a chance, that they have a Savior, that they're going to be saved. Why? Because I'm not going to call it and I'm not going to knock on doors. I'm not going to get them saved. And I've got to ask this question, why not? Let me ask you this question. Are you a soul winner? You don't have to answer that a lot, but are you a soul winner? And if you're not, why? Well, I've got better things. Really? Because Paul said, I'm going to stay steadfast. He said, I'm going to be unmovable. Well, even when it's raining, Pastor? Yeah, even when it's raining, unmovable. Even when it's cold, Pastor? Yeah, even when it's cold, unmovable. Even when it's hot, Pastor? Yeah, even when it's hot, unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. He said, none of these things move me. Neither count I in my life dear unto myself. He said, Pastor, I don't know how to go so many. Well... You know, the best way you can learn is to go. We'll teach you. And, and I don't know if you notice in the bulletin, but we are having a six-week uh, series teaching you how to go soul winning. So there's really no excuse, Paul. Are you a Paul? I want to end my life saying this. But none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Isn't that a great testimony of a preacher to say, hey, you know what? Yeah, I've had it tough. But none of these things move me. And I want you to be able to say that. Let me just make a few statements real quick. I have a vision of our church being a soul-winning powerhouse. I have a vision of our church becoming a soul-winning army that goes out into this community and turn. you say, well, Pastor, could we really do a lot? I mean, look at us. There's not many of us. There's not much of us. We don't have much of leadership. I understand. But let me tell you something. Jesus took 12 men. The Bible said, I know I'm saying 7, but this, is, this counts for 2. So 5, 5, and 12. Jesus took 12 men. And by the way, one of them was a devil, the Bible says. And the book of Acts tells us that these 11 men turned the world upside down with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You say, why? What's so special about him? What's so special about Paul? He's just consistent. He's just steadfast. He's just unmovable. He just knew what he believed. He knew what he had to do. And he went out and reached people with the gospel. And you ought to reach your friends. You ought to reach your family. You ought to get people close to you, your co-workers, people you go to school. You ought to get them saved. 
teach them the gospel. At least warn them so that you can end your life and say, hey, their blood is not upon my hands. He says, but none of these things move me. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I ask that you'd please bless the Bible study tonight. And Father, there really is no agenda behind the Bible studies. It's just where we happen to be tonight. Preaching verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the book of Acts. But Father, every time we open your word, we have an opportunity to have your spirit minister and teach us. And Lord, I ask that you would use the words tonight. I ask that you would maybe put a burden and put a fire in people's hearts to say, you know what, I'm going to be a soul winner. And along with that, I'm going to serve the Lord even if it costs me something. And along with that, I'm going to be steadfast. None of these things move me. Father, I pray you do a work in the people here. And Father, I pray you bless us this week as we go out soul winning, trying to reach the lost, and help us have a good Lord's Day on Sunday. We love you, Father. In your precious name I pray. Amen.